get back to our study of the Gospel of John. Will you uh, open your Bibles to chapter 21? And we'll be looking at John 21 this morning. And as you, as you turn there, I wanna, we'll, we'll remember what we last studied, where the, where the Lord is, and what John last said. We're now beginning the final chapter of this wonderful gospel. The major teaching of John's gospel has been completed with the end of chapter 20. And if you read the 20th chapter, you almost expect it to end there. You know, John finishes the 20th chapter of his gospel by telling us why he wrote. He, he wrote it so that we would read it. And we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and through believing that, have life in His name. But now, in the 21st chapter, John is sort of tying up some loose ends. If the Gospel would have ended with the 20th chapter, there would have been some unanswered questions you know, as, as we enter into the book of Acts. You know, think about how, how Acts begins. The disciples are standing there talking to Jesus, and all of a sudden, he ascends to heaven right in front of their faces. But before he does, he tells them they are going to receive the Holy Spirit, and they are going to be his witnesses to the world. How did Peter get reconciled to the Lord after his cowardly denial of the Lord? What was the relationship of the Lord to his disciples after the resurrection? What, what should the disciples expect in the future? Well, the, the 21st chapter of John answers those questions for us. And, and it gives us sort of a bridge between John's gospel and the book of Acts. So as we begin looking at the chapter this morning, we're going to start to see how this chapter ties the Gospel of John and just sort of seamlessly to the book of Acts. So if you, if you have your Bible open, I'm going to begin reading at verse 1, chapter 21, verse 1, and I'll read down to verse 14. It says, After these things, Jesus manifested Himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way, Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will also come with you. They went out and got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in uh, the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards away, 
dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have caught now. Simon Peter went up, drew the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord, Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Lord, as we begin to look at this 21st chapter of, of John's Gospel, as we begin to finish our study of this wonderful book, Lord, we come to this text and what a wonderful text it is, what a, what a convicting text it is, really one that should even cause us to, to search our hearts. John has just told us why he has written this book. The, the Lord has commissioned the disciples to, to go out. And we enter this chapter and they, they go back instead of going forward. They, they decide to to go their way instead of going the Lord's way. That thankfully they they change and they follow the Lord and, and through following Him they are blessed greatly. And certainly we see that when we try to do things in our own way we can be of no use to the Lord, but when we will do things the way He tells us to, that we are greatly blessed in it. Lord, I just pray that You would use this text to, to convict us where we need to, or where You need to, to change us where we need changed, to conform us to Your image. And we thank You and praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen. So as we, as we come to this text, we can split it into two parts. Uh, verse, verses 1 through 5 show the result of disobeying the Lord and trying to serve Him in our own strength. Uh, verses 6 through 14 show the result of obeying the Lord and serving Him how He tells us to. As the chapter begins, the disciples are not sure what they're supposed to do. Uh, we, we don't know how much time has elapsed between the end of chapter 20 and the beginning of chapter 1, but some amount of, of time has passed and the, the disciples are restless. So Peter, being Peter, decides that he has had enough. He's, he's ready to go back to his old job. He, he once again is not trusting in Jesus and he decides to take things in his own hands. So we, we begin with our first point, and that's just the result of doing things our own way. 
you know, Peter says, I'm, I'm going fishing. You know, I'm, I'm going back to my old ways. I'm, I'm going back to what I've always done. Going to back to what gives me a sense of security. How many times do we go back to what we've always done? You know, not necessarily because it works. Not necessarily because it's the right thing to do. Not necessarily because it's the right way to do it. But because that's what we've always done. We get comfortable in what we're used to. We, we resist change. The most dangerous words, I think some of the most dangerous words in, in the English language when put together, and, and certainly in a church, are we've never done it that way before. In the, the last chapter, the Lord Jesus commissioned the disciples. He said, as the Father has sent me, I send you also. He sent them out, but they didn't know what that meant. They're, they're waiting for further instructions. They, they didn't just run off and start doing something. They didn't just go out and start a church. They were waiting for Jesus. They were expecting Him. But He didn't show up, so they disobeyed Him. You know, Peter takes charge like he always does. He says, I'm going fishing. Nobody fights him. Nobody says, uh, Peter, you know, the, the crucified and risen Lord told us he was sending us out to minister. Now they, they all just say, sounds good, let's go. They're, they're not sure what to do because the Lord is not there. You know, He has told them to go out and make disciples. He has told them He is sending them out just as the Father sent Him out. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. Yeah, the text tells us they get the boat. The way this is written in the original language, they didn't just grab a boat, right? They didn't go rent a, they didn't go charter a fishing boat. They grabbed the boat. They grabbed Simon Peter's boat. You know, these guys were fishermen by trade. They, they were business owners. Peter had all the equipment he needed to do his job. So, you know, this stuff's probably been sitting for three years or so. And, you know, since Peter started following the Lord, but, but here they are. And the Lord is not around. But <clears throat> what do they know about the Lord? Think about what they've seen just recently. They know He is alive. They saw Him die. He, he has visited them on multiple occasions, has spent time with them after He died on a cross you would think they would kind of be waiting, trying to figure out what they should do next to follow Him. He, he isn't with them right now, but they saw Him die, and they saw Him resurrected. Still, they show a lack of faith by going back to their old life. Again, how quickly do we turn away from the Lord? How quickly do we go back to our traditions? How quickly do we go back to our comfort zone, to the things we use as a crutch, instead of looking for the Lord? You know, what should they have done? Instead of, instead of going back to their comfort zone, instead of trying to do things in their own strength, they should have just prayed. I mean, right? Pray and wait for the Lord. How many times have they seen him go off and pray? 
you know, they, they could have been searching the scriptures. <clears throat> and look, this is common for us too. When, when we're not spending time with the Lord, when we're not in His Word, when we are not in prayer to Him, when we are not regularly coming together with other Christians to worship Him in a local church setting, we lose a little bit of that fellowship we have with Him. And as we lose a little bit of that relationship, we don't try as hard to have that relationship with Him. And it's a downward spiral. If you're not actively seeking the Lord, actively and purposely running towards Him, you'll find yourself walking the other way. We don't build a relationship by attending church for an hour a week when it fits our schedule. This, this morning should be an outpouring of the time you've spent with the Lord throughout this past week. But they got in the boat. right? Peter and the disciples, they get in the boat, right back to that old comfortable boat, those well-worn nets. You know, they, had, they had cast in the sea so many times. And they head into the, the Sea of Galilee, or as John calls it, Sea of Tiberias. You know, back to the familiar feel of those fishing nets. Back to the place in the lake where they had had so much success before. Again, how quickly we revert back to comfort and familiarity. They, they spend the entire night fishing and they catch nothing. Experienced professional fishermen, they spend the entire night fishing and they have nothing to show for it. As the sun begins to rise, they notice a man on the, standing on the shore and he yells out if they have any fish. They, they didn't know it was the Lord. They, they had no idea who it was at this point. But put yourself in their position. Here's a boatload of fishermen. They've been out there all night. Not a single fish to show for it. You know, these aren't guys with a fishing pole. These are guys with a weighted net that you cast out and then you pull back to the boat. All night, throwing that net, pulling it back to the boat. Other side of the boat, throwing the net, pulling it back to the boat. Move the boat, throw the net, pull it back to the boat. Move the boat, all night, nothing. This guy says, hey, catch anything? I think I'd have been gritting my teeth at that point. Probably just, no. <laughs> I'd have been irritated. You know, haven't caught a thing, and, and this guy says, well, throw the net on the right side. We've been doing that all night. Haven't caught a single thing, but for some reason, this time, they, they cast the net, they listen. And with that, we come to the second point, the result of obeying the Lord, doing things the way He commands. We see the difference between disobeying the Lord versus what happens when we fully obey Him. Jesus says, cast the net on the right side. And for some reason they do, and miraculously this time they, they cast that net out. And it's so full that they're having trouble getting it back into the boat. And John realizes it's the Lord who's talking to them. And at that point, Peter does what Peter does. Right? Been fishing. When they fish, you know, to be a little more comfortable fishing, they take off their outer garment. Sort of like, you know, if you go up fishing on the lake and it's a hot day and, you know, a guy's up there fishing and maybe takes his shirt off. Well, Peter grabs this outer garment and he jumps in the water and swims to shore. 
And I love this. Remember, John outran Peter to the tomb. Right? How many times we see John outran Peter to the tomb, but Peter swam the hundred yards to shore. You know, John rode the boat. The other disciples bring, the, bring Peter's boat back to shore for him. Peter jumps out of the boat, swims to shore, and everybody else is kind of like, you know, we got a perfectly good boat here. Let's just row back. It reminds me of, if you've seen the movie Forrest Gump, you know, Forrest is out on his shrimp boat, and he's so excited to see Lieutenant Dan on the, on the pier that he just jumps out of this huge shrimp boat into the water, and he swims to shore, and you see him there shaking Lieutenant Dan's hand. The next thing you see in the background is this shrimp boat right into the dock. He, there's my boat. <laughs> you know, as it, as it crashes into the dock. You know, Peter was just so excited to see his old friend that he could not wait to get to shore. And as the, the rest of the disciples bring the, bring the boat to shore, they, they pull the net, and someone counts the fish. They find that they have 153 fish in this net. Now, that is a lot of fish. There are all kinds of things you can read about what the number 153 means, that it signifies this, it signifies that, and people really get into that stuff, but I want to tell you what I think it means. I think it means they caught 153 fish. I think it means they caught nothing all night, and with a word... Jesus caused them to catch more fish than they could bring into the boat. I don't think we need to take it farther than that. It means when they tried doing things on their own, they could do nothing. But as soon as Jesus was involved, they had more than they could handle. It's a very important reminder. When we do things in our own power and ignore the Lord, when we set God's Word aside and say, oh, you know, that Bible, that's just a dusty old book written by some old guys who didn't know what the world was going to be like today. We quickly learn we can do nothing to benefit Jesus. We, we can do things and we can say they're for Him. We can even do things and, you know, in the confines of the local church and feel good about ourselves, but without Him, without His leading, without His blessing, those things mean nothing. So another question that often comes up in this and is often debated is, why didn't they know it was the Lord? As soon as he asked them the question, why didn't they know? Why didn't they recognize him? Well, the text doesn't def definitively say, but we do know several other times the Lord was seen. Remember, he was seen by Mary. She had no idea who it was until he said, Mary. And instantly she knew it was him. He was, he was seen by the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, spent the day with them. And it wasn't until he went that evening to have supper with them and he blessed the food, they realized it was him. I think the catch of fish itself caused the disciples to recognize him. And I, I want to explain that. If you, if you have your Bible open, if you turn over one book to Luke chapter 5, And this is a similar incident that I want to look at. And uh, to sort of set the scene, Peter and uh, the disciples had been fishing all night. And they are cleaning their nets. The, the Lord Jesus comes up to them and asks them to, 
take him out into the Sea of Galilee in the boat, and they do. When they get there, he begins teaching them. When he finishes teaching, he tells them to drop their net in the water. And in verse 5 of, of Luke uh, chapter 5, we read, it says, Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. You know, John was there with Peter when that happened. And I, I believe that he thought back to this as they're struggling to haul in that net. It's, it's a very similar situation, isn't it? They fish all night. They catch nothing. They obey the command of Jesus, drop the net again, and they catch so many fish that the boat itself begins to sink. And he, he uses this net that is literally bursting with fish to show them what they're being called to do. You know, they've been fishermen all their lives. And now he says, you're not going to catch fish anymore. Now you're going to fish for men. You've always thrown this net into the water and, and caught fish. That's, that's how you made your living, but now this is how you're going to make your life. You know, th this is what is truly important. You, you now need to fish for people. You need to cast the net of God's Word into the world and fish for people. You know, this, look, this, this incident happened at the very onset of, of these men following Jesus. They spent the next three years with Him, day in, day out, being taught by Him. Then they saw Him die. They, they, they're still confused by all of this because they believed Him to be the Messiah. They, they thought that meant He was going to be this strong political leader and they were going to be, you know, kind of His cabinet. They're going to be there leading with Him. Then He died. You know, the, the Lord is not going to be with Him like he was. He can no longer dwell with them the way he had for the last three years. Soon the Holy Spirit is going to live within them. Jesus is going to live through them. And they need to know that he will not abandon them. They need to know that when they try to live in their own strength, when they think that on their own they are more effective, when they think that they know how to be the best fishers of men, they will catch nothing without Jesus. I mean, isn't that the picture here? They go back to what they're comfortable with. They go back to what they think they can control. They go back to the way things were before Jesus showed up, and He shows them they can do nothing without Him. Our, our duty as a local church, our duty as a Christian, is to follow the Lord. We are called to be fishers of men, but 
We are simply called to cast the net of the gospel where he says and how he says. We need to follow what he says because he's the one who came up with the plan of salvation. He's the one who, who draws men to himself. You know, think of it this way. In 2003, I had a uh, crew working for me. We were framing houses in a subdivision in Finley. Um, I was subcontracted through the guy that was developing all of the property. So that summer, uh, we framed two houses. We had actually manufactured a couple others. Um, but we framed... My, myself and my guys, we framed two houses. There were crews that came in, did the excavating. There were crews that came in, did the foundation. There were crews that came in and did the electric, the plumbing, the heating, the insulation, the roof. My job, we showed up and there was a basement there. And when we left, there was a house on top of it. Um, just, just the wood portion. Well, the, the, the developer who hired me had a really bad habit of changing the blueprints as we worked. And I would get a drawing for the framing and he would give another drawing to the, the excavation contractor. He would give another drawing to the foundation guy. He would give another drawing to the trust plant. He would give another drawing to the lumber company who was bringing all of the lumber. And he, they would all be a little different. Well, we built one house. The foundation drawing was different than the framing drawing. So as we started framing the floor, we didn't have the right lumber. You know, because the framing, the framing drawing didn't match the foundation drawing. Then when the trusses showed up, they were one foot too short because the developer forgot to tell the truss manufacturer that he lengthened the house. You know, we, we were not all working off the same master plan. We, we all had different blueprints for the house and it turned into a huge mess because we were constantly working against each other. You know, but what was the problem? The, the, the developer had blueprints, but he decided he could design this house better. You know, that he was smarter than the person who designs, house and, who designs houses and he decided to do it his own way. House took way longer to finish, cost him way more money because it took all of us subcontractors longer to overcome his mistakes and overcome his lack of, of knowledge. You know, it's similar to what is going on in this passage. It's similar to what goes on in the life of many Christians. And it's similar to what happens in many churches. People like to do things on their own, in their own power, and say they are following God's plan. You know, we often don't want to follow the way God clearly has said we should do things. You know, we, we think we know better, and so we struggle. Even in the church, we, we follow, you know, we prefer to follow what we've always done. You know, we, we prefer to say, this is what I want, this is what I like, so this must be what everyone else wants. And what's the problem with that? It takes God's Word out of the equation. You know, what we want, and, and I say this to myself also, what we want is not always what God says we should do. You know, when we were building that house, the developer took the designed plans and he started to cut out certain parts. 
Then he inserted his own desires, his own thoughts into this, this perfect blueprint because he thought he knew better. And what was the result? It was horrible. We had trouble with every aspect of that project. Well, when we take what God has said and start to cut out certain parts and say, you know what, I know better here, I know better here, you know, I, I'm just going to ignore those parts over there. I don't like that, so I'm, I'm going to decide God was wrong and I'll keep what I like. You know, what are we doing when we do that? We're creating a God in our own image. You know, we're, we're saying God is not perfect, but I can make Him perfect if I make Him just like me. You know, we, we can't do that. God's Word is too perfect. Hell is too real. Salvation is too important for us to mess with any of it. So, so as we finish, are you, are you like Peter? Are you running back to your old life, to your traditions, to the things that comfort you? You know, every time you're away from Jesus, away from God's Word for a little while, what are you doing? Or do you continue to draw near to Him through prayer, through the study of His Word? You know, maybe this morning you say, I've never drawn near to Him. And, and the Holy Spirit is right now convicting you of your sin, convicting you of your need for a Savior. Repent. Repent of your sin. Cry out to Jesus. Trust in his, cry out to Him for forgiveness. Trust in His death on the cross as the full and final payment of sin. And have confidence that He will do just that. That He will forgive you. He promises that in His Word. And again, if you need to talk about that, come see me. Let's, let's talk about that. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, so often we, we think we know better than You. And Lord, I, I do this myself. I think I know better than You. I think that If I just do something in this way, that, that it'll, it'll benefit you. Lord, your word is perfect. Your word is true. It is without error. And you have given it to us for a reason. Lord, I pray that that I would never, I pray that when I am like Peter, that you would show me. That when I, I go off on my own and, and move away from your word, that you would convict me in that moment. Lord, I pray the same for, for everyone here this morning, that that You would convict all of us when we are moving away from Your Word. I pray that this local church would be known as a place where Your Word is preached, where it is trusted, where it is followed. And I just pray that, that we realize that only when we follow You
can we can we benefit you in any way? Can we have any sort of lasting benefit? And Lord, I pray that that myself and all of us here would realize what a privilege that is. What a privilege it is to know that we can serve the living God. It, that we can know the Lord Jesus as our Savior and that we can serve the living God and have fellowship with Him. And we just we thank You and we praise You for that. Amen.